0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com
1: slash weightloss. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, it's Gareth here for PJ. He's taken the rest of the week off, deservedly resting up after a bit of an accident. He's home and he's well, and uh, I know he's tuned in this morning. So good morning to you, PJ. I hope you brought a mug of tea back to bed with you and you avail of the chance to rest. Now, just looking out the window here, I never thought I'd get so excited to see no sign of rain. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> bit like kind of, oh, it's snowing. No, 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 we don't want snow either. No, it's dry this morning. Now, there's a very heavy fog uh, all around the county. And, uh, very, very heavy in the city. No wind. Very, very picturesque if you're looking at the window. Uh, but if you're driving, please be very careful. Traffic's pretty much back to normal. And Tuesdays and Thursdays seem to be the heaviest days for traffic. So uh, it was a very, very busy morning coming in this morning. I hope you're well. If you want to give us a call, of course, you can give us a shout. We're with you through till midday. Anything catches your eye or something that you're interested in chatting about that you feel you'd like to share with everybody else this morning. A very dramatic picture on the front of the Irish Independent this morning of firefighters carrying young primary school children out of their school in Inishtig in a County Kilkenny yesterday Um, about sort of six to nine inches of water as the firefighters are given a kind of a piggyback to each of the kids (laughs) and they're all delighted. Don't know whether they got the half day or what. But the good news is that as we mentioned yesterday small businesses, sports clubs and voluntary organisations affected by Storm Babette will be now able to avail of up to 100,000 euro in state relief and uh, the payments to businesses under this expanded flood relief scheme Uh, will rise to 100 grand under plans going to government today Simon Coveney will be laying out the details and he's expected to bring a memo to cabinet this morning seeking agreement to introduce this new exceptional humanitarian relief scheme for businesses. The great thing is we were talking about this quick payment apparently the quick payment will be quicker than we were thinking which is great news And the quick payment will be uh, up to... I think 10,000 euro, that's the ceiling on that. Audited and assessed payments under the exceptional scheme will be worth up to 100,000 euro and the existing humanitarian relief scheme for businesses will provide quick payments of five grand and once again the audited payments of up to 20,000. And I know in fairness to them, the insurance assessors have never worked so hard. They've been working round the clock and focusing particularly here uh, uh, on Middleton and indeed Glenmire. Uh, a number of properties in Douglas took a hammering. Um, but the, 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 they're trying to make sure that everyone is aware that the bad weather has not gone away, unfortunately. I think we're going to get a brief respite. But there's more bad weather on the way. Uh, let me think. I was looking at it there earlier this morning. Middle of next week, we'll have a high tide. I think Tuesday or Wednesday. That's uh, Tuesday's just after the bank holiday. Wednesday, the 1st of November. That was the date and looking ahead. Uh, It looks as if there's going to be a high tide around about lunchtime on that day. And again, later that night at the same time, around about 12.31. And very, very heavy rain uh, forecast for the south coast. So just be mindful of that. Uh, And hopefully, as I say, by then, much will have changed and there will be much more support in place for those people who are most vulnerable, businesses and homes indeed. Now, a little later this morning, I'm going to be talking to... um, Ashling, whose home was completely destroyed. Now, as she says, it's no longer a home, it's just a house, it's a shell. And, uh, uh it's it's extraordinary, really, just chatting to her ahead of the interview, she was talking about how her neighbours are terrified to come back to the housing estates. They're paranoid about rain, water, wind, floods, and it really is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it's clear from what she was telling us. But we'll be talking to her a little later this morning. Um, and also, I see, um, if you're thinking of getting the... The winter COVID booster jab, almost 350,000 people have come forward for the jab in just 20 days in a bid to stay out of overcrowded hospitals as flu season starts. The HSE hiring freeze and a lack of available beds have put hospitals on the back foot as flu and COVID season looms nearer, sending citizens flocking to receive the booster. Now, it's kind of a uh, a water cooler conversation. Are you going to get it? Are you not going to get it? A lot of people saying to me, no, I I think I'm sort of boosted enough, Uh, but it might be worth just chatting to your GP. Now, I know, you know, let's leave the anti-vaxxers aside. Uh, Let's continue concentrate on those with um, vulnerable immune systems um, and obviously that would be definitely worth chatting to your GP or your local healthcare centre about. So, uh, our number... 0833 396 96, 96 if you would like to comment uh, if you'd like to leave a comment or if you'd like to come on and have a chat with us this morning lots to talk about between now and 12 noon the students in mtu will stage a protest at the college this morning starting at 11 a.m and i'm joined now by mtu students union president isabel Cavanaugh. morning isabel hello gareth how are things things are good it's warming up to be quite a big protest
2: <laughs> yeah, we're hoping that we're going to get good numbers because it's, I suppose, the topic that's close to the hearts of both students and staff alike. So tell, we're tell, hoping to have us, a lot of people there. Tell us
1: basically about the topic. <sighs>
2: So basically what we're what we're protesting about is the frequency of public transport and the bus routes that are available near the college and out, out with us and MTU. So I suppose even this morning now we've been here since 7 just having a look at the buses coming in, seeing how many students are on them and it's just down to the fact that there's not enough buses coming in and the buses that are coming driving to the bus stops are just driving past the students if they're full. So then obviously they're late for class and then there's obviously some buses that don't go to certain towns. So we've seen a real spike in students having to drive to college and obviously MTU's infrastructure does not meet the needs of these students because there's not even nearly enough parking spaces so I suppose what our calls are is obviously to the government to um, invest into public transport and to ensure that students can come to college if they have a way of getting there and also just a call on MTU to put a plan in place to support the growing numbers of students because it seems that they're great at increasing them but it's evident that the infrastructure in the college obviously isn't efficiently providing enough space for them that's conducive to a good learning environment or mm-hmm. even a relaxing environment. So that's basically what we're um, protesting about today.
1: For just for those Isabel who wouldn't know where Mtu is based, where 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 is the college?
2: So we actually have a few campuses. Um, we have a campus, we have two in the city centre and we've one in the Maritime College in Ring of and then our main campus is in Bishopstown and most of the parking issues, obviously there's parking issues for the for the campuses in the city as well because you know there's not much parking in the city in general but then the main problems would be out in Bishopstown. We've about 12,000 students here and there's only 1,000 parking spaces and there's no park and ride or anything like that so we're calling on MTU to provide something like a park and ride for the students when they return and after summer so that they don't have to worry about parking and then if they're parked up on the grass because due to desperate measures are getting to an exam they come out and there's a big clamp on their wheel it's just really stressful for students on top of everything else that's going on you know
1: Yeah Um, Am I right in thinking the 208 serves that area?
2: Uh, The 208 does but it stops up by Centra so it doesn't stop actually on the campus it's the 205 um, that stops right in bang, bang smack in the middle of the campus
1: Okay and and like, have you been on to bus, Aaron, just to talk to them, possibly put forward a proposal that maybe an extra half a dozen buses would be d- during those main hours where you're getting to college and then you're leaving college to try to get home or back to back to where you're staying?
2: So what we've done is we've liaised with the buildings office in the college and um, just telling them they obviously know what the struggles are for students and asking them what they can do because I know that they have constant links with bus Aaron and obviously because of the bus coming in here and going through the barriers. And we were told that bus Aaron would be contacted and would be asked or told to put on more buses, but it doesn't seem to have happened yet. I suppose that's the problem. We've told them everything that's going wrong. We've been harping on. I was in this position last year as well in the Students' Union and it seems like it's just all falling on deck fears there's no decisions being made about it and really where students are just sick and tired of it um, and I think that MTU just needs to step up and contact Bus Aaron and put a proposal in place because I think they said it is possible but they haven't gone forward about it yet.
1: Yeah because a, a, a couple of friends of, of mine from uh, Carrigaline were just saying that they had a pretty similar situation they had approached Bus Aaron about putting on an extra few buses during peak times but they said they, they the, the general feeling was that there was was no problem putting on the machinery they just can't get the drivers
2: okay yeah
1: yeah it's a
2: big issue yeah it
1: is yeah it's kind of a dilemma that they've got no power over and and they can't drive Mm -hmm. forward anything if they could if they don't get any drivers to drive the buses but i'm just thinking uh, yeah see i i remember reading in germany they had a similar situation quite a number of colleges i think in frankfurt so what they decided to do was they decided to start the lectures earlier uh, mm-hmm. So what you were doing was you were actually getting away from the rush hour traffic, and it, it okay. It meant a, a lot of give and take on the part of lecturers and on the part of students. But they were there earlier, and they got to go home uh, earlier in the in the afternoon. Would that be an option?
2: Well I'm not sure to be honest because there's another problem obviously with the lack of student accommodation so we mm-hmm. do have people who are travelling from different counties and they're tra- they have to travel down in the morning because they can't get accommodation here so obviously it is difficult for them to be in for a certain time in the morning but I think things like this you know MTU needs to start taking a more proactive approach rather than a reactive approach like put measures in place see if they'll work and then we'll see what happens rather than just saying oh it gets better in semester two oh we'll put on a park and ride in semester two but you know people go on placement in semester two so a park and ride isn't going to work then it has to be from the very start of semester one
1: Mm. Uh, so to
2: answer your question I don't know if an earlier start would work but for some students it might but I suppose there has to be like even if the talk started or the conversations were put in place you know and we could start talking about it it would be great
1: okay Uh, Paul just says um, my son uh, my my son goes to school here in the south of Cork and uh, the buses have laid on private buses uh, in order to get them to to college on time, would that be an option? Maybe
2: it could be. I suppose, that, like any solution that we've put forward to the college it all boils down to money which is fair enough you know who's going to pay for the service and then it's hard to get students to buy into it because some days they might be able to get a lift with a friend some days they might have to come in later because they have an exam so they don't want to pay a lump sum fee for the whole year when they don't know if they'll actually be able to use it for the whole year you know
1: right now you have other issues that you're going to be protesting about as well isn't that right
2: yeah, so it's basically just about like the infrastructure in MTU as well, you know, like obviously the numbers are growing all the time. And while it's great to see that MTU is building loads of buildings and the future looks bright for MTU students, the current students are really struggling because of the building works. Obviously, there's loads of, as I said, car parking spaces being taken up. Um, in the canteen, there's not enough seats for the amount of students that are having their lunch at the same time. There's no quiet spaces. Um, any student who may be autistic or maybe have some kind of um, learning difficulty or can't cope with the noise there's really no escaping the noise here Um, It's just all go, busy, busy, because there's just so many students here and they all seem to be here at the same time. Um, So we're protesting about that. And also there's just like, while I said it's great to see buildings being built, there's a lot of buildings here that need a lot of work being done for them. We sent out a survey to all the students just to tell us about their MTU experience and the stories we're hearing about leaks in roofs and not enough seats in classrooms and some students have to sit on the floor. It's just the harsh reality for students at the moment, unfortunately, due to the growing numbers
1: here okay well look good luck with that protest uh, later on we'll hear more about it later in the day isabel nice to talk to you this morning you too thanks a million thank you very much that's Isabel Cavanagh there who is uh, the student Students' Union President with Munster Technological Inst- uh, University MTU um, Anna says Gareth our lodger has to get the 220 that's 220 from UCC to Ballin College she has to stand in the rain most evenings as three or four buses sail past her it's a nightmare she comes home like a drowned rat God help her during the winter and that's from Anna okay if you'd like to comment on that story maybe you've got somebody in college maybe you're in college yourself 0833 96 96 96 Gareth O'Callaghan for PJ this morning uh, now just some comments relating to uh, the MTU students protest later and the buses and public transport I use public transport I go to work not college but have the same problem with buses not showing up or cancelling as you're waiting for it uh, that's from Calvin Margaret says just listening to MTU student commenting on the protest today my daughter's in UCC and takes the bus out from town and the buses are in general a disaster and even worse on a wet day. The bus app tells you bus is coming and no bus comes on numerous occasions. Also, there's such a lack of bus shelters near UCC uh, for students on the very wet days. Uh, That's from Margaret. and Dave says, the 220 bus is always full at peak times and empty at non-peak times. They need to put on more buses on that route from 4 p.m. onwards. Um, I use an app called, I think it's called Bus Fuss. um, And I find it's very, very accurate. Uh, Very few buses disappear. Then I sometimes think when the bus disappears, Does everybody on the bus disappear with it? And they're never seen again. Anyway, the musings of someone who stands at bus stops waiting for buses. Yesterday we were discussing whether people should be randomly drug tested in the workplace to curb uh, increasing cocaine use. Tazzy has some thoughts on that. Morning to you, Tazzy. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, We were talking about this yesterday and it seems to be a, a, a problem that's on the rise, isn't it?
3: It
4: is. Um Me personally, I think that if like the softer ones, like marijuana and stuff, were decriminalised, it might solve a bit of a problem. Whereas the harder ones, obviously, keep them on the criminal side. Um, I've never really heard of anyone that's killed someone over using marijuana, but I've heard lots of violence through alcohol. So it's kind of like a bit of a conflict there.
1: Just, are you on a hands-free set there, Tazzy? Yes. Do
4: you want me to take it off?
1: Uh, Please, if it's safe to do so. It's just no problem. We'll be able to hear you more clearly. Yeah. Take your time. Be careful. There, is that better? Oh, that's much better. Much better. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, no, and they're, they're very good points. Now, I know marijuana, th- there were a couple of big articles over the weekend in, in some of the papers in relation to the fact that, you know, a, a long-term use of, of marijuana can make people extremely paranoid. Um, and, and within that is a danger as well, particularly if that paranoia is brought into the workplace. Would you agree? Um, I
4: come from South Africa where it's already been decriminalized. Mm -hmm. and I mean me personally I don't use it but I know people that do and I've never seen anything like that
1: right is this is this simply just an increase in the use of cocaine or is this uh, uh, issues surrounding addiction in the workplace
4: I think it could be, addiction could be a big problem. I mean, it's so easy to get addicted to something.
1: Hmm.
4: Um, and they say you have to have an addictive personality, but I disagree there. Anyone can get addicted to something that just feels good.
1: Right. And uh, are do you find a lot more people are using cocaine in the workplace?
4: Um, I don't work. I'm a carer to my son with autism, so I've not seen anything. Um, I'm just going on what I'm reading, what I'm hearing. And my husband works, and he doesn't know of anyone that's using it. Right. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even know where to get the stuff, you know, here or in South Africa, to be honest. But um, I don't know of anyone that, that uses it. So I can't say whether it's being used more or less.
1: What are the drug the drugs laws like in South Africa, Tazi?
4: Um, so, with regards to marijuana, that's been decriminalised. Um, you can use that as long as it's within your home, your private space. Um, anything outside your personal home, um, as far as I'm aware, that is still a criminal offence. So, basically, you can grow it. Um, And use it how you see fit, you know, so that can be whether you cook it in food, whether you make an oil, whether you smoke it, whatever. Um, But the rest of the drugs are still criminal offences. I wouldn't say it's under any control, though.
1: Mm. And what sort of convictions would they carry?
4: Uh, it all depends on who's putting you behind bars that day Right. On, <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. the laws they are not controlled very well okay fine. <laughs> so whether they say six months doesn't mean you're going to get six months you could get more you could get less
1: yeah so i i, the, the, I mean it, it's i suppose it's it's a fact of life that addiction finds its way into every part of the life of a person suffering from addiction so whether it's at home or whether you're out socializing the, the addiction needs to be fed it doesn't it
4: It does. And rather have something that's not going to hurt other people, uh, yourself hopefully too, but rather something that's not going to end up hurting other people. I mean, the amount of people that drink and then still drive, as much as it's a criminal offense and as much as you can get put away, it still happens. Hmm. So rather an addiction that's not going to hurt other people.
1: Yeah. And uh, have you any personal experience? Do, do, have you come across people in your own life who have had uh, the, the likes of a marijuana addiction or the likes of a cocaine addiction?
4: Uh, no, everyone that I know that has used marijuana, they, I wouldn't say they were addicted. Right. They would use it every so often. They, they felt they high and enjoyed themselves and that was it.
1: Mm. But of course, cocaine is is one of the most highly addictive of the, the, as they call them, recreational drugs.
4: Yeah, I only know one or two people that have ever actually used it. Mm. And the one I just stopped using it when um, money wasn't as excessively available, and I was also in South Africa.
3: Mm.
4: Um, the other person, whether they still used it or not, I don't know. So I don't know on the addiction level there, but it can be addicted.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people argue that marijuana is a, a gateway drug to the stronger
4: I disagree drugs. because I know so many people that have used marijuana have never used anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. And do, do, do you know many people who use marijuana who drink alcohol?
4: Um, yeah, I'd say they do, but they generally don't do the two at the same time.
1: Right, right. And, and, and you've never seen any negative side effects? No. Right, right.
4: Um, I've never seen anyone with it in Ireland, but um, I imagine it's pretty much the same, you know? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Okay, Tazzy, it's nice talking to you. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you so much. Have a lovely day.
1: You too. Thank you. Um, interesting piece, actually, in the Irish Times by Geraldine Walsh this morning, being prepared to manage addiction in the worst place, workplace is beneficial, not just for the company, but for the mental and physical health of a quality workforce. And it's, it's fascinating, really, when you think of it, you automatically think that someone who is addicted to, say, cocaine... Are addicted to alcohol, uh, that, you know, obviously, if you're caught taking cocaine in the workplace during business hours when you're meant to be working, it's a sackable offence. But then you have to ask yourself, uh, what are you doing for the addiction if you dismiss the person who... Really, could be looking for help. I mean, it, it takes it takes a huge, huge amount of not just physical but mental strength to actually reach out and to admit to somebody particularly your boss, that you're addicted to drugs. And uh, just reading some of this article this morning, companies can't ignore the fact that employees with addiction continue to be functioning, which may cost the company in terms of profit and productivity. However, being prepared to manage addiction in the workplace is not solely for the benefit of a company, but it's also vitally important for the mental health of a quality workforce so someone who's in perhaps a senior position who might be a functioning drug addict that you know their the outcome of their day will affect the, the the entire workforce and the quality of work that's carried out that day. But it would be interesting to hear from you know em, employers particularly, but also if you want to talk to us confidentially um, about perhaps personal experience you've had in this area, we'd like to hear from you as well this morning. 96, 96, 96 Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ this morning. 96, 96, 96 is our number. Gareth, can you please let people know that the local welfare officer is in glanmire scout hall this morning handing out funds that sounds good regarding stage one of the humanitarian assistance scheme to affected families she's going to be there from 9 30 to 1 p.m that's from Paddy o'sullivan okay glanmire scout hall um d- just uh, as it were organizing to dispense funds regarding stage one of the humanitarian assistance scheme to affected families which we were talking about there earlier on at nine o'clock um up to one hundred thousand euro in state relief will become available very, very soon. But those speedy payments of two thousand, five thousand, and ten thousand are, from what I can gather, available within the next forty-eight hours. So, uh, Glanmar Scout Hall this morning. A young Cork skateboarder, Liam Miles, has taken matters into his own hands and is asking people to sign a petition to improve conditions for skaters in his hometown of Bantry. Liam, tell me how you got into skateboarding.
5: I'd say two years ago, maybe in September, what's it called, I was... Just getting out of a very long relationship. I was going out with someone for about two years. And I never really did anything, I suppose. I never really did anything physical as a kid. I never got into any sports. I never really did much with my life. But I found like a passion for skateboarding because I had a little old skateboard out the back garden. And I just picked it up and started going. And it like really took my mind off of things. And it was a great way for me to express myself, I
1: suppose. I know Bantry very well the streets are narrow there's not really much room to expand because the, the the town has never really changed in the shape of the town itself so there's not much room for skateboarding is there? No, 100% I you are right What would you propose? because I know your petition is up and running now you're asking people to go and sign their names to it uh, yeah. if they want improved conditions but what sort of improved conditions are you looking for?
5: Ideally looking for a skate park because at the moment, there's not much room for us to be going, like to be skating in town. And there's been multiple times where me and my mates have been harassed by people. My mates have even been pushed off of skateboards, threatened to be beaten up and multiple things. Just It's never really a pleasant experience when we're skating in town. And I was really hoping that we could try and set up a skate park somewhere in town. There's like multiple locations, I believe, that would be perfect for it. And I just want to have a, give us a safe
1: space to be able to you know, express themselves, like I was saying. Right, and like for a confined space, what sort of, how how big would it need to be?
5: It wouldn't be, need to be too big, but like uh, ideally I'd like it to be a bit bigger, because it would attract people to the town as well, it'd be like, you know, people would be more inclined to come visit Bantry if there was an ice skate park here as well, but there's like two spots, like there's the old playground, the playground's being moved at the moment to a mm. new spot, and that's like going to be... There's going to be nothing up there, so it's multiple spots. I think personally.
1: Right, I and mean, that would be that would be an ideal location, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know you've got the petition up and running. So, how do people get to the petition? G- give me a few details on that.
5: It's a post in the pantry notice board that I've made, and there's also a post on my Facebook and on my Instagram and on my Snapchat. I've got it all like right everywhere. I've also made a GoFundMe, and I'm currently in the works of setting up a. Uh, committee. So I'm just trying to prepare a constitution to get that ready, so I can try and get the ball rolling and make a credit union and get everything. Right. You know, yeah. To plan.
1: Well taught out. Fair yeah. play. Well, yeah. t- well thought out. I, I mean, I think skateboarding generally you're, you're relying on main roads, aren't you, to to to, to skateboard, which isn't safe. Yeah. yeah. The
5: random skate, random car parks, random spots in town, and the people aren't really happy with are skating around. You know. So. Right.
1: Okay, Liam, great to talk to you and uh, thanks for joining us this morning Alright, sweet, thank you so much guys I appreciate it Now, if you'd like to uh, subscribe or you're willing to support uh, Liam says it will be a massive help just to get the word out there they have a GoFundMe website uh, help build a skate park to save the youth of Bantry okay? and uh, if you want to check that out and you're you would like to donate to the future of skateboarding in Bantry. Good morning to you, wherever you are, whatever you're up to this morning, uh, slightly drier but definitely much foggier, so please be careful if you're on the roads, very, very limited visibility uh, all over the city and county this morning, and it's going to stay that way until late afternoon, I think. I see that the world's oldest dog, uh, who survived until he was 31 years of age, uh, has passed away. And his family owes his long life to his unusual diet of human diet food. Bobby, the Portuguese mastiff, only ate what his human family ate, soaked in water to remove any seasoning. His family, the costas, Credit his long lifespan to his calm and peaceful environment and his freedom to roam as they never put him on a leash or chain. Beautiful, beautiful picture of Bobby, the world's oldest dog, in uh, quite a few of the newspapers today. Um, Dr. Karen Becker, a vet, who met Bobby several times, announced his death writing last night. This sweet boy earned his wings. Despite outliving every dog in history, his 11,478 days on earth would never be enough for those who loved him. Godspeed, Bobby. You've taught the world all you were meant to teach. Beautiful words. Beautiful words. Now, uh, Sam is on the phone. Hi, Sam. Hi, Gareth. Good morning. Good morning to you now you've you've come up with an ingenious plan and it's worked out very well, haven't you? Tell us about the fund for families impacted by the floods? Yeah,
6: Gareth. so, I went into town on Saturday and there's so much going on with the cleanup efforts. It's literally, I was speechless by it, Um, particularly the crowd at the Middleton Hub are doing amazing work. So I left some donations and I was thinking, how else could I help? Because a couple of years ago, I broke my leg and I'm not very, I suppose, not very stable. Mm. (laughs) So shifting things around isn't my thing. Right. But what struck me was the amount of families and elderly that um, were showing up and picking up supplies. And with Christmas, dare I say it, um, eight weeks away... I know that those families, once the cleanup efforts are sort of for first round is done, their mind's going to turn to that. So I decided to take a slightly different approach with support and I've set up a fundraiser to help make Christmas a bit merrier for those families in Middleton beautiful. So, what I'm hoping to do is is the following. In just over 24 hours, we've raised enough to buy 22 children gifts at around €20 Euros each, which mm-hmm. is just fantastic. But I want to do better than that because knowing that there's six primary schools in the townlands and a lot of elderly who've lived in Middleton all their lives, I would like to try and raise enough to get 100 children a gift and 50 care packages for our wonderful community who've lived in Middleton probably for most of their lives. So I'm looking for your help and thank you for taking the time this morning to have me on the show and the help of uh, people in Cork to to make this reality.
1: Mm. Now I know you've, you've come across some very sad stories over the last few days, haven't you?
6: yeah i think the one that struck me the most was um the elderly lady who and um, was stuck in her own home um and i think she was about 80 mm-hmm. and she was worried that she was going to drown because of the floods and it was actually one of the local fire crew who went past their own property that was flooding at the time to go in and save her i mean like just the, 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 can you imagine living in your own home and worried you were going to you were going to drown um, and, and that you know it, you can probably hear my voice now it really struck a chord with me and yeah. um, because I'm guessing that person's lived in Middleton for, for quite some time and to be able to just show up and say look you know You've had a really rough time, hopefully you're on the mend here's a little something from the people of Cork from the people of middleton um that's the kind of thing that I'm hoping to do
1: that's wonderful that was actually john paul guard he's he's with' he's at Middleton fire Station and um, Mark Foster who's the chief fire officer there uh, was talking about him. he swam up the main street in full uh, full outfit full firefighting outfit um past his own house as you say which at that stage was taking in huge amounts of water he kept swimming his own family were safe but then he got to the elderly woman's house Uh, there was four foot of water inside but there was eight foot deep water outside pressing on all of the windows she was apparently terrified that the water was going to burst in through the windows and John Paul sat with her upstairs for three hours until they got one of the inflatable dinghies to, to rescue her it's an extraordinary story
6: yeah, it, absolutely, and and like I say, just you know the way that the whole town and people from outside the town is rallying around. Like I've I've lived in Cork for uh, twenty four years this year and Middleton for seventeen of them, mm-hmm. and it, it's just phenomenal what's happening. And you know, fair play to that gentleman f- for for doing that. The I suppose m- my job is I'm uh, a trainer and a coach, so I know everybody's in like fight mode at the moment. You know the. Adrenaline's going, yeah. things happening, and then when that stops, and we're kind of just left you know, with our thoughts and sort of okay, what do we do next? It, it can be quite a tough time. So my mind went to there, and, and and that's I suppose one of the reasons why I set up this fundraiser.
1: Yeah, it's a brilliant idea. Can you tell me uh, where you didn't tell where where the fund is? How do people get to it so that they can donate?
6: Yeah. So I went with um, I donate.ie Mm-hmm. Um, just because um, they're really good in supporting smaller fundraisers because they keep the fund, they keep the, the commissions and the charges low. Obviously, I want to make sure the town gets as much as possible. Um, and it's make um, Middleton Christmas merry. Um, I'll send you the full Maybe you could pop it up on the website or Please. something like that. Yeah. Um, so I I donate Ie forward slash crowdfunder and then it's uh, the the tag is make Middleton Christmas merry.
1: Okay, I donate. ie That's how you get into it, isn't that right?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I say, they're they're an Irish owned um, fundraising, a bit like the the other ones uh, platforms, and the the thing that people can search for is uh, make Middleton Christmas merry.
1: Great. Okay, Sam, um, have have a, a good week, and I, I know. It's going to take a very, very long time for Middleton to, to feel normal again. Um, I hope it's sooner than a lot of people are saying it will be. But thank you so much for your input as well.
6: Thank you very much. Can I just make one more suggestion yes. to the viewers listening? I said viewers, the listeners listening. Um, <laughs> please think about coming to Middleton for your Christmas shopping. There's like so many wonderful stores here um, where you can pick up all of your gifts and the town at Christmas is always buzzing with the farmer's market and everything. So I would just like put a little call out to say, if you're thinking of buying local this Christmas, and I know lots of other communities are impacted, pop down to Middleton, even on a Saturday, pop to the farmers market and just come and see um the town sort of like rise up once again and be part of that i, w- I would love that for, for some of my colleagues who are working there
1: great sam I, I know many of the shop owners and the businesses are hoping to open as soon as possible again um yeah. have you have you any idea when the, the shops will open again is that is, is that known or is it still somewhere out there
6: yeah great question so um there's a a, almost like a gradual process so I've noticed already some of the the cafes and bakeries have started opening which is fantastic Um, me and my friends have already been in to support some of those Um, the florists who's amazing I know McCarthy's they've reopened Uh, the jewellers reopened some of the furniture shops are starting to reopen now so it's really just like a gradual process I think For, for most they're trying to open even on a staged basis including some of the closed shops who as you can imagine have got um, a huge task ahead of them in terms of stock and you know drying things out so um, for those it will probably take a little bit longer but the town is actually starting to um, you know wake up from this horrible downpour that they've had
1: Yeah okay Sam great to talk to you and we'll give that a couple of mentions as well Make Middleton Christmas Merry it's on idonate.ie if you'd like to donate to that. Thank you Sam Appreciate it thanks Gareth. Thank you so much thank you. Uh, One thing I found extraordinary I I meant to mention it yesterday and it stuck in my head last night. A couple of people from Middleton who I know were telling me that the number of people who turned up on Sunday afternoon, sightseers sightseers from all over the county. Let's make a day out, let's go and have a look at the damage and the flooding in Middleton. And even the Gardaí were gobsmacked by it. They couldn't close the roads off for obvious reasons, they were all flooded. But yet, people just randomly turned up, parked their cars on the outskirts of the town and walked in taking pictures and making videos of the flooding. I mean, you just couldn't make this stuff up. 083-396-96-96 is our number. If you'd like to leave a voice note, Or you'd like to send us a text message this morning, or you'd like to have a chat with us. A small pack of goats have been causing chaos on the South Ring Road in the city. And I'm just wondering, have you seen them? I've seen them. They look cute, but uh, that's once they stay off uh, the South Ring Road. Uh, Vincent Cashman joins me now from the CSPCA. Uh, Good morning to you, Vincent.
7: Good morning, Gareth.
1: where did they come from? And how they, they seem to almost live there now at this stage, don't they?
7: They did. They, they lived on the outskirts of Tremor Valley Park, mm. but the outskirts and the we'll say the boundary just inside the 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 perimeter fence of the of the park itself.
1: Right. And how many of them were there? there were four and did it take this long to round them up because i know that they were uh, they were an elusive pack they would disappear and people would think they're gone and then suddenly
7: they'd reappear again the the problem with these guys this was the second time there were goats taken off um off the south link as such we'll say in that area around the uh, tremor valley yeah last year we had to dart some um but the, the, the danger they were posing, they were getting braver and braver. Now, goats are not a stupid creature, but if they get a fright, they will bolt. And the problem is if they bolt out in front of a car. Yeah. Um, everyone knows how busy the the the, the, the South Link is. Um, you could cause a mass... The potential for, for loss of life was, was getting... was increasing by the day. So a decision had to be made to remove the goats. The... We take. We don't know officially who owns the goats, um, but a decision was made to remove them.
1: Right, and how was that a difficult task?
7: I well, it, it, it was a difficult task, but I I can claim responsibility for that. There was a guy, uh, William Walsh,
8: mm-hmm.
7: of um, Billy's Rent a Goat. Uh, he came down. Uh, we, we walked the site with the council. Uh, Billy was there. Billy came up with a plan or Willie came up with a plan and um, to get the goats used to him. And there was a, it involved putting up electric fencing and sealing off the perimeter fence of the site and trying to corral them into a small area. And then a decision was made uh, nearly a week and a half going out to stage, um, to actually go in and catch them and remove them. From the, the site entirely,
1: and has, so has, um, has Willie taken them? Yeah, is, is uh, well,
7: Willie. <laughs> in, in fairness, now to to to, to Willie, we we were there. We helped with the loading. Mm. Um, it was it was William went in at one stage had to rugby tackle one of the goats as I was passing him <laughs> um, to, to to try and catch it, and. Um, we got the four of them loaded up and then they're down here now with us in the CSPCA.
1: And what does the future hold for them?
7: They're going to be... Now, we've potentially got homes for all four. um, But we have to wait. Uh, These animals are of unknown origin. So we we would normally isolate animals like that for uh, four weeks, 28 days, just to make sure they're not carrying anything. They would be vet checked. Um, Everything seems to be fine with them. They're eating well. Uh, Their condition is good. And um so it's it's there's there's a bit of a process in getting them rehomed. Um I any mean the males will have to be castrated as well before they go. Um and they'll be microchipped. Right. So um but it's it's potentially it had the danger. I mean I mean the guard the were getting five, six, seven calls a day about these guys. And it's just in case one of them gets a fright. Yeah. Um, Deer strikes or or deer deer vehicle collisions are on the increase all over the country. So particularly in rural areas but if you get an animal uh, and there's a bit of weight in these guys and they're not a light animal if it if there was a pile up on the on the the south link it it's it doesn't bear worrying about what 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 damage and stuff would have happened if um and potentially loss of life if these if there was a um a collision with these goats
1: absolutely yeah absolutely just um timely reminder buying puppies for christmas it comes up every year a lot of people still tend to ignore the advice not to buy a puppy for christmas
7: uh yes the the, the, the whole thing ever since covid the, the country and every rescue will tell you exactly the same thing the, we are awash with dogs mm. we're super saturated with dogs um and now we're, we're back to people's attitude is the same as the as the 80s. We had a, a lovely uh, a bitch and, f- and six puppies and the puppies were actually dropped in a, uh, put in a plastic bag and dropped into uh, a vets. Now we have them here. There is no, I can't say there's no, but there's a lot of people out there who have no consideration whatsoever for their animals. Yeah. None and we can we can say it's down to education it's 2023 not 1823 yes all of this information you can pick it up on your phone you don't have to have a laptop everything's on your phone there's plenty of of, of written facts figures and care sheets for all this but they just don't care i mean but we we, we had a dog um she's nicknamed bones which is um with themes with coming up to halloween and um she needed to be just properly fed and, and a flea and worm treatment and just not terribly expensive work to be done to a dog mm. but it this was months and months of neglect it's not something that happened over weeks she has been basically starved and of food and attention and veterinary work for months God. And this is this is an ongoing thing. It's not. We had a spell where it was was slackening off a little bit, but it's now it's definitely on the rise.
1: Okay, I, Vincent, I'm sure PJ will be chatting to you plenty more before Christmas, anyway, and uh, as we get into the, the the winter season. But it's good to talk to you this morning.
7: No problem at all, Gareth. Thank Anything. you
1: very much. That's Vincent Cashman there with the uh, CSPCA Billy rent a goat. I'm fascinated by that. Um, I suppose you could rent a goat. It, it probably saves money on. Uh, you know hiring someone to cut your back garden grass you know you'll pay up to 30, 40, 50 euro, whereas the goat will just be happy out eating it. Good morning to you, it's Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ this week and uh, that number again 0833 96 96 96. I mentioned a stolen car yesterday uh, towards the end of the programme and I'll give it another mention today because um, talking to Finbar, who owns the car he was very, very upset this I think is the third time this has happened to him, his car was stolen last Monday night in Larchfield and some things were found down in Mahan in Ravens still Now, uh, Finbar says could Gareth just please give it a mention if you could it's a 2018 Mazda 6 dark blue in colour, beautiful car okay, 2018 Mazda 6, dark blue in colour and as I say, this is the third time that it's been stolen. He's been able to recover the previous two and he's hoped to go for the hat trick, okay, so it's a limerick wedge and uh, that's from Finbar. Okay, Finbar, we wish you well on that. 0818 96, 96, 96 if you see it and you'd like to give us a call directly, we can um, take it from there. 0818 96, 96, 96. Now, some hotels around Cork uh, over the last week have been absolutely incredible in their response to homelessness as a result of Storm Babette. And homeless, uh, homelessness on a scale where, as you'll hear very shortly talking to Aisling, um, families have found themselves homeless. The, their homes are wrecked, destroyed. They don't know whether they'll ever be able to have back what they had before the storm last week. Um, precious losses that will never, ever be returned. And it's the difference between, as Ashling says, a home and a house, really. And particularly if you've got young students at home who are used to their home and their creature comforts, and now this has all been taken away from them. So um, I know that the Middleton Park... Uh, had a lot of camp beds set up, which was a great idea. I think people are just looking for a warm room with a roof over their heads at the moment until they, until they figure out what to do in the future. And typically, uh, a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of very very generous outgiving, out giving out pouring Vienna Woods Hotel looking after a lot of the people who found themselves out of their homes in Glenmire last week, and uh, also a lot of supermarkets, Ryan's Super Value in Glenmire, so many others around. Uh, the area if by the way you would like to get in touch with us and tell us what you might be able to offer a lot of the victims of the flooding please give us a shout 083 396 96 96 and we can point you in the right direction katrina toomey from penny dinners good morning katrina morning i would imagine on top of all that's going on for you at the moment it has now become incredibly busier as, as a result of this has it
9: Yes, it has, and we've got a a lot of call ups, and the lads have been, you know, just kind of answering every one of them, and and it's again, there's there aren't enough words to express the horror of what's after happening to the people, you know, that have been affected by the floods, and um, we've. Seen, you know the homes and oh, Jesus it's just absolutely awful, and, and you know everybody wants to do something for them and get them back into their homes as quickly as possible. But that's a very big operation, and mm-hmm. it needs to be, I suppose, sort of an emergency and, and and whatever to get them back in. And, and like as you said, the hotels have stepped up to the you know, the Middleton Park and Michael Magner is brilliant in the Vienna Woods, you know, they're all absolutely fantastic. And um businesses like Ryan's super value in Glamour, you know, you know they're they're very good. They're and they've just stepped up as well. And to see the camaraderie, I suppose, that's only what I can think of, that the way people have rallied around to kind to, of to look after everybody and to, to make them feel a little bit better. Like we have people now today that from companies like that are calling for to, to help people so they're taking stuff, you know, they've asked us far as We've got already ready for them and they're calling today to take it to the people that they need this stuff and whatever. So... We're, we're on that light you know because you never know what we might have and and it's good that companies recognise that we've had the companies that volunteer with us and they take it from there like they'll say Oh, we ring Katrina and see if she has this or if she has that and if we have and, and we're lucky then as well that we have lots of friends that we can ring and say come here do you have this light you know and like we've Know, there's a girl in Clinic Cutie Mags, and you're in Mags and we five minutes. she'll source, it, feel like. They're just absolutely. Sinead, Sinead's and name, Mags isn't but they're, they're all absolutely brilliant. Like you can be the, the network that's out there, and it's lovely to see them all rallying around the way they have. But the, the, the core of this is like uh, the, the heart of this is the heartbreak that the people have whose homes have been destroyed, whose lives have been you know, impacted by it. Mm. and to see their homes go the way they went and in that deluge like you know it was just awful to watch my own brother lives in Castle Marta and he was heartbroken for all the people like that you know that he saw and he was keeping us filled in you know and sending us videos and stuff and, and you know that they had to do this they had to do that to help other people and they were all doing it like everybody rode in and that's just magnificent to see that's what people do and nobody does
1: it better. Yeah. And um, not only now are uh, these individuals who've who've lost their houses, hopefully just for a period, hopefully they will be able to rebuild or restore, but there's a health hazard now because obviously, you know, within hours of the flood levels rising, people were wading through raw sewage. Um, And and that can have a permanent destructive effect on a property, can't it? Yes, of
9: course. Uh, And it's something like that needs all of it will need money to solve, And I'm sure none of these people can just dip their hand in a little bucket and pull it out like And this is where they need the help. to are trying to secure them to get back into their homes. So I suppose that funding has to be secured for them because otherwise we're going to have homeless people more homeless people if it doesn't happen and we don't want that to happen to any of them these are their homes their lives their where the you know home is where the heart is like and and for them that's what it was so hoping that it'll be quick and speedy for all of them you know that the funding will be there and that they'll get back in there and with all the people that's rolling around to help I'm sure you know I can't see why it shouldn't happen like
1: yeah And I think, obviously, you know, Simon, Simon Coveney, I think he's on a a personal mission to drive through these emergency funds and these um, these fast payouts, you know.
9: Yeah, and again, like, you know, that's great to see and that's what we need. We need that leadership as well in a time of crisis like this. is These, uh, like, uh, you know, people like whose families also live in the area, you know, uh, and who may not have the room to take them in, but they'll be taking them in and then they'll be overcrowded. You know, there's a 101 things that could happen that are going to kind of plunge them into more despair, but there'll be hopefully a thousand and one things that'll happen to lift them all up and that's the important thing and the thing is to have the love of everybody here in Cork and further afield but again it's the funding that's needed to get them back in so I hope Simon pushes that on like you know mm. he, as fast as he can and I'm sure he will
1: Just earlier on the radio Katrina a Dublin food provider was saying that more and more pensioners are having to use their services because the pension doesn't stretch far enough to pay the massive electricity bills Are you finding that locally?
9: Yeah and you know we find that like while some may have the money to pay it, they're so afraid. Yeah, and 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 so they're afraid to to keep themselves warm or to, to make stuff like you know. And it's it's heartbreaking to look uh, at a, a pensioner like that's afraid in the kind of the, the autumn, the winter of their lives. Do you know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> the fear that strikes them, a younger person may say, ah, for God's sake, I'll, you know, ride through it, like, or something, they might have a bit more strength within them, but everything that happens, like, like this now, like the cost of living crisis, they paying the bills and stuff for the elderly, there's a big fear factor for them as well, which kind of can have a role, you know, a ripple effect, maybe like mental health, you know, the worry, the anxiety, all that steps in, and that should not happen, like, these are the people like that, but us, where we are, and we're going to be in that position someday, and our children are going to be in that position someday. So it's up to, you know, it should be made... Life should be easy, for them, I suppose I should be saying at that, at that stage of their life. They should be comfortable, they should be warm, and they shouldn't be afraid to turn on the electricity or shouldn't be afraid to light the fire or turn on the heating,
1: you know? Correct, and I think they should be prioritised because they've spent their lives paying taxes. and They did. You know, and, and this is not the time in their lives when they want the likes of, you know, the energy providers turning their backs on them.
9: Exactly, because they haven't the strength you know as you get older you probably lose a bit of confidence like I know I know know, that sounds kind of but what I'm saying is they've had a long hard life working and putting things right for themselves you know building a life building a family building a home you know doing all that kind of thing and then all of a sudden like they're plunged into will I be able to afford to pay the electricity bill will I be able to afford to buy a bag of coal will I be able to afford to turn on the heating simple things like that Mm. like we've of pensioners that they'll only have you know, they'll boil the kettle for a cup of tea. You know, and we've had loads of them are they very kind of like we have one guy you know he says, I am away and bought a flask now. I boiled it in the morning, has me cup of tea, fills the flask and if I want more tea then I'll use the flask then for the rest of the day. But like that's kinda of not right.
1: No, correct. I, Instead of boiling the kettle he'll just keep the, the the hot the water hot in the flask.
9: Yeah. So like, none of it is right, and and I think, again, like that, you know, whether the cost of living towards, you know, bills, if we look at the bills, especially the electricity and the gas and stuff like that, if we look at that, and if they could be reduced for people, then maybe the fear would go and people would be able to work towards paying their bills in an easier way, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Look at the couples that are out walking, two people are walking and they have children, they have to pay child minders, they have to pay pressures, they have to pay everything and they're still out walking trying to pay for their home. And then they're met with all these bills that are crippling. So everything that's happening, you know, it's like it, the grip gets tighter and tighter for people. And that's, that's where mental health kicks in then.
3: Yeah. And
9: people are suffering. And I, I don't believe anybody that's out there trying to earn a day's and honest day's, you know, at uh, wages, like, and putting a home around themselves. I don't think they should suffer. And I think the stops should be pulled out like for to, you know, we have a fabulous country with fabulous people in it. Let's get it more fabulous, you know, for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and just leave everybody, you know, get their dream home, get their life, you know, be being able to go out if they want to. So to have a like for instance, you no know, people won't go you know for a meal, they're afraid to go because of the you know you could get a bag coal now for a price of meal price of a meal, and they're thinking of that, and like this is where restaurants then suffer as well because the people aren't coming out anymore, mm. so everything has a ripple effect, so anything that affects one person actually affects thousands of people, so making one thing right and then making another thing right will probably lessen that ripple effect.
1: Yeah, that was an extraordinary decision I felt yesterday by the ESB to spend 21 million euro on Christmas gifts, Christmas p- cash handouts for their staff.
9: Well, you know, I suppose the tradition in Ireland was always give your staff something at Christmas. Yeah. But like, they should be giving the, their customers.
1: Yeah. Well, be it, have, particularly or, when it's the customer's money.
9: Exactly. Um. And they, sh- they should look at that. They do have big profits, so therefore they should be able to take, you know, they wouldn't even be taking a hit if they reduced the price of it, for goodness sake, because they have no. a huge profits, like so they wouldn't be taking a hit. But they should, like, treat their customers loyally as well, because do you remember, long ago, if you were a customer of some place, might, it might only be a bottle of whiskey or something, but you still got a present, like, you know, from them, yeah. like, so the uh, yes, ASB maybe should look at what they're doing for their staff and rightly so, they should look after their staff. They should be doing for their customers as well.
1: Yes. Katrina, always great to talk to you and I'm sure we'll be chatting to you between now and Christmas. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Gareth. Thanks Amelia. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Katrina Toomey there from Penny Dinners. always um, heartening to talk to her amazing group of people behind Penny Dinners I see today uh, in the papers Mick Keegan Mick is a post-polio survivor he's from Dublin and he's faced with the option of keeping his house warm or suffering severe pain He's seen his energy bills triple in the last two years. He's 66 and he says in a piece in The Independent today that he has to go to bed with an electric blanket at times in order to bring back up his body temperature. This could be in the middle of the day as the condition can cause sensitivity to the cold due to poor blood supply. He says the winter heating contribution is very important to him as the price of gas and heating has increased steeply. I'm now paying three times as much as I did two years ago and I desperately need heat during the winter. I'm sure there are many, many people listening this morning in uh, a similar, in the similar boat 083 396 96 96, that's our number Welcome back, Gareth O'Callaghan here with you Sue Till 12 today and uh, indeed tomorrow and Joe O'Shea, Joe's back with you Thursday and Friday and PJ back revived and fit and healthy again after a break A bit of a, an accident last week, I'm sure he'll tell you more about that when he's back next Tuesday Now we spoke to Ashling Mac. Last week, after Storm Babette caused major damage to her house, but Ashling's trauma
7: didn't end
1: there. Hi, Ashling. Hi,
10: Gareth.
1: How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I just I, there are just no words. I, I swear to God, it, it, I think what's after happening you. I try to imagine it happening us, you know, and it's just unreal. So, so okay. I'd love you just to tell me. When it began, how it began, when you began to realise that this was more serious than you could have imagined?
10: At about half seven on Wednesday morning, um, the council arrived down and they checked, you know, they took a look into the, the stream. All was well, all looked good. So, you know, we were all happy. We all proceeded to send the children off to school. Like, I have teenagers. They walked over there to GCC. I was here myself. It was lashing rain, so... And I, I said, you know, I'll, I'll take a look and I just felt concerned, you know, the water in the stream was, was looking high. It was going fast. The neighbours with the younger kids, they were at the schools. The traffic was chaotic. They were all delayed. So I started to ring my, some of my neighbours and, and, you know, just kind of try to fill them in. what was the picture that was going on here? And they were trying to get back home. I don't know, it all it all kind of happened so fast. Like, it, once it came onto the road, we didn't seem to have a lot of time before it came in. My house, unfortunately, is, is the first point of contact with the water. It was the last time, and, and unfortunately it was again this time. So, like, I had to just drop and run and, and get to the inside of my house. I knew time was an issue. Okay, we had our own barriers at our front and back doors. I had three sandbags. I I rang the school and asked them to release the girls from school. And my two teenage daughters were, were in the driveway. They had three sandbags. They put them on the drive. The water was coming in around us. I was blocking up the back and front doors. I was grabbing every towel. I grabbed all the duvets off the bed. I grabbed everything that I could use to soak the place around. We ran around, we tried to lift everything electrical up as fast as we could. I I was just afraid with things plugged in, you know, and the water was rising quite quickly around... The the I, I pulled out a plug there myself at one point I did get a bit of a shock yeah. the thing sparked at me and it gave me a fright so I didn't want the kids touching anything then electric I, I wanted to protect everyone in the house you know if 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 someone had to be hurt I wanted it to be me the water's coming in and I'm just thinking my God this time the water is higher than the last time it's uh, it's past the last time it was three steps in my house and and, and this time it's more. The last time the culvert was blocked, the water, the, the road essentially became a, a river and, and that's what came in. And while that was happening, the last time, there was still a, a couple of feet there in, in, in the stream. You know, it didn't burst its banks. The water it did not come out of there the last time. But I mean, this time it was coming from everywhere. It was like a wave. It was like a, a tsunami I was looking out the window and 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 there was water pouring in from everywhere. The volume of it was just horrific. I, I I I was looking out the window and the water was filling up around me and I thought, "My god, you know, it like I can't even do justice to to the how chaotic it was. We had a dog in the house. I, I you know, I, I, we're trying to keep him up the stairs. He's barking up the stairs. He's trying to come down. We're locking him in the bedroom. But we're also running up and down the stairs, carrying things up, and the door gets left open. Next thing, the dog is coming down the stairs. He's barking at the chaos. There's a child carrying the dog up over her head, if she can, trying to not let the dog throw Do you know... It sounds like we're after being dropped into the middle of some sort of a horror movie and we're now the main characters playing this out. And
1: you're watching the house slowly falling apart.
10: I gave up. I I was afraid of the electrical stuff after the, that bit of a, a shock I got. And I said, look, we leave this, but I was still conscious, you know, are we going to go on fire? Now I'm thinking, jeez, maybe it would have been a blessing if the house had on fire. Would my insurance yeah. cover me then? And now the water has all, has has surpassed the height of my wall out the front and it's coming over the wall. And and there's some of my kids there and there's my friends there and they're standing there with buckets. And I think I passed a bin out to them, you know, just because yeah. for the volume of it. And they were like trying to scoop the water as it hopped over the sandbags and, and throw it back out. Just pure desperation, headless chickens, like we didn't know what we were doing. I'm looking at one of my my neighbours there and she's standing out there and the water is above her waist. She's nearly been knocked over and I'm asking her, come in the window to me because you're going to drown. And I'm going, this girl is trying to save my house and she's going to drown while I'm looking at her. So I'm saying, look, look, we've lost, you know, we go and she's looking at me and she's going, look, I, uh, sorry, (laughs) she's going, sorry. She's going, sorry, I've done all I can. I'm going, please just go because I don't want you to drown there trying to help me. And I start looking at the house and I'm telling who, who's inside with me. I'm going, look, we'll, we'll just go upstairs. And we've Some of us have, have wellies on, you know, and the water is like they're in the water. So basically, each time we climb the stairs, it's like carrying buckets of water on our
6: feet. yeah.
10: And I look up at the ceiling, and now there's these damn patches appearing on the ceiling. And I'm going, you oh, know, the downstairs is gone. Now is the upstairs gone as well? It's 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 like a bomb site. There's there's stuff everywhere. We can barely get around upstairs because we've literally thrown everything we can throw upstairs. I I phoned the fire service and uh, and I was told you know they they're trying to get to us but but we're not the priority at the moment because you know they didn't ask me is a, is anyone's life in immediate danger and, and I I had to say I said it wasn't you know it it wasn't like we were we weren't actually drowning at the time it was on the phone. Mm. My phone is battery is going low, and I'm going. You know what? My phone is going to die here. The kids were trying to video things. I I know from the last time that it was important that we 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 kind of got as much evidence as we could of the height of the water and the damage and the whole lot because this is what we were going to have to prove. And I'm going here if 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 this water comes upstairs, I had visions of us trying to climb onto the top of the wardrobes or something and, and, you know, like, (laughs) huddle up there and say, please, God, someone is going to get into us before the water actually just drowns us and kills us. (laughs) You know, like, 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 like that was my reality in the moment.
1: All I can think of is the film Titanic, where they're desperately trying to rise above the water level.
10: This was playing out in my head, you know, and I was thinking, you know, we're gone, game over. The whole thing is is, is like a blur now. Like are you, are you still living?
1: Are you still living in the house, Ashling?
10: We have spent a few nights down in the Vienna Woods. Last night we, we we were trying to get the kids back to school. This morning we were like, "Is it, will we just gather up the uniforms and get the books ready and stay at home? Will we?" Um, Will we we leave? And we didn't know what to do. The house is starting to stink. A couple of us now have sore throats and coughing and the whole lot. And look, late last night, we, we headed down to Vienna Woods. Personally myself, I didn't get a wink of sleep when I was looking at my phone, and my, my phone starts getting texts and a chat with some of the neighbors, and they're saying, "I think the water is coming out in the road there by O'Connell Transport again. I'm telling my husband, "Look, you run, you, you take the car and you you get back to the house because we are the first line of fire there and he, he jumped in the car and he drove back and I asked the girl below in reception, "Can you call me a taxi?" And I grabbed my, my three kids uh, and we jump in the taxi. So we're heading for Glanmire and we hit um, there by Marwood and the flood is now on the road. The mm. taxi driver is getting kind of nervous of driving through the water and he's looking at me. And I'm telling him, my house is getting flooded, <laughs> can you drive me there? And he he's looking at me and then I realise I, I actually have no money on me. And I blurt this out and I'm telling this man, look, sorry, I, I I actually have no money to pay you, but like, I promise you, just get me home and I will pay you. Oh, uh, and he looks at me like about to pull, pull, the, pull, pull the taxi over. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, I promise you, I will pay you if if you get me home. And then there's one of the kids going in the back, Mom, it's okay, I I have money. So he continues to drive and it, it was flooded at the time on that part of the road. So we got to the top of the road there
9: by Marwood,
10: and uh, I, I told him, you know, just turn off the other, the opposite direction, and we jumped out of the car in the middle of the road. He, he was like, will I get out? Will I get stuck? And he's looking at me, and I'm going, just, just head off the opposite direction there. We'll jump out here in the middle of the road, and, mm. and we ran, and there was a pool of water on the road, but, like, look, it, it, it turned out... It, while I was on my way there, the council had made their way there and made sure the drains were cleared Yeah, and things settled down. But it was raining heavy at the time and I'm not quite sure what was going on because I was back inside in my house at this stage. So I thought, okay... <laughs> Downstairs is gone, right? I still have my upstairs. Yeah, there's damn patches there and I thought if this is gonna come in again, it's gonna be a replay. This is gonna be my hat trick here and I'm gonna I'm gonna get it right, I'm gonna save the the the, the top half of my house. <laughs> so this is the panic that was going on and then bit by bit it, it started to calm outside and, and then we just had this eerie kinda of calmness and the rain stopped falling. And then the panic goes down, and we're like, you know, w- will they go to school now? Um, do we continue our day? Do we start now? Gotten the walls? Do we st- like, 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 where are we at? There's,
1: there's no knowing where you're at at the moment because it, it it's fair to say it's just too soon to know what's going to happen, isn't that the case?
10: Right now, we're being held hostage by the weather. That's all I can tell you. I'm looking at high tides, and I'm going is the weather and the high tide going to clash? It's a roll of the dice. Are we going to, if we get the two together, we're in trouble. If it's dry, then, then then you know, we win. Really, I wanted to talk to you about the whole impact of, like, this is my second time around now. People, they sympathise with us, but really, unless you have ever been flooded in your life, I really don't think that you understand quite the impact. I, I was trying to... Just journal this and I, I just kind of put a few words together. And if you can just give me a couple of minutes, mm. I'm just going to read you what I just had in my head last night. And this is what I have here.
1: Go ahead, in your a own house,
10: time. A house is merely a structure. A home is a special place. To have it stripped from you leaves a deep impact that people don't realize. Think of all the memories you have in your life. The backdrop to your life washed away. Your downstairs is now wiped out in an instant. A lifetime of work, attention and care wiped out. Now you must start through a rebuild process that took years to complete in a matter of days. After, sorry now. That's okay. After after four days of cleaning sewage and sludge out of my house, now the builders have informed me that the walls need to come down due to internal dampness. So I watch my husband crowbar in hand. He pauses and he, he turns and he hands his neighbour the crowbar and he says, oh, I can't do it. And he passes him the crowbar to start at the floor. In our hearts, we know many of our loved possessions are gone and we desperately try to salvage what we can because we don't know where we can find the means to replace them. Spent gathering quotes and photograph, photographing lost items and agonising about how we will ever put the pieces, uh, how we put the pieces of this jumbled jigsaw back together, still haunt us from from our past experiences. You can almost see the eyes of trade people light up once you mention the word flood. They they try to suss out if you're insured or not. If you're lucky enough to have insurance. You've got a new bestie here and they almost rub their hand in glee. If you don't have insurance, you get the pitiful glance that that crushes your last bit of dignity as a realisation that you are now a charity case. If you're insured, you have a long battle ahead with your insurance company. The last time, everything underneath our worktops was destroyed. Uh, everything, uh, everything above the worktop is perfect. Now, 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 what do we do here? Because essentially, we're covered for half a kitchen. So, how do you match half a twenty-year-old kitchen with half a brand new one? The stress is just overbearing. On the other hand, if you've no insurance at all well, where do you even start now? Yes. Okay, because you can dry out a damaged, smelly couch and spray it with air fresheners or, or you could sit on the floor like the choice is yours and your normal life, your ups and downs will still be there waiting for you. Like there is nowhere to hide and you know, like as that saying goes, until you walk a mile in their shoes, you you just don't know.
1: Ashling, yeah. that's, so powerful and heartbreaking,
10: the last time it happened, and it was a disaster, and it was traumatic, but we were told it was a freak act you know it was a freak episode or whatever you want to call it, yeah that it, you know this was going to be a one a hundred year episode, and we thought you know okay, it's over, it's never going to affect us again in our lifetime. But we don't even have that this time. Like we're complete, we're being held hostage by the weather gods. Like if it rains, if it rains here in 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 two hours' time, then I'm up for the hat trick here. You know.
0: They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
10: Oh, and this is this is the problem the fear. Yeah. It's this fear that it's gonna happen again every time it rains. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm exhausted. I've no more
1: to tell you. I do. You know, something? <laughs> I'm surprised you're still standing. Um, I really, really am, Ashling. You made some really powerful points. I think so many people will listen to this, and I think for them, you're able to put words on a conversation that they can't, they can't have. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm getting emotional on myself, <laughs> um, and I think you're you're painting a picture that they just don't have any colors for and I think this will bring such I think resilience to them to know that you're able to talk like the way they want to be able to talk I I think that the way you've explained it I can like it's almost like you've painted a picture for me and radio is that that's what radio is about it's about painting a picture without being able to physically see it that people can imagine it but I, I want you to know that of all the people we've spoken to, you're one of the strongest people I've ever talked to. And please remember that there's a strength in you that I don't even think you realise is there.
10: Come here. There's no strength in me. I, I'm I'm just trying to survive. You know when yeah. things happen to you in life moving on doesn't exist you move forward and I'm just trying to move forward and you know it's the fear in me that's my weapon that's my my one talent is that I'm not paralyzed by fear fear actually like drives me on yeah yeah. to get me like, like fear is, is adrenaline inside me that's why I can't sleep yeah. because even when I'm talking to you I can't even sit down I'm actually pacing up and down the floor <laughs>
6: yeah
1: well look thanks for taking the time to talk thank you so bye. much bye now
10: no
1: problem bye 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 uh, it's Gareth here for PJ who'll be back with you after the bank holiday weekend uh, a lot of you getting in touch a lot of you extremely upset listening to Ashling there talking about uh, all of the loss that herself and her husband and the uh, the kids have Endured, and that they're they're facing indefinitely as a result of Storm Babette and the damage, the devastation that was caused to them. And you know, it's, I think when you listen to her there, and she's talking about the fear that it's going to happen again. Um, and I remember listening. To uh, way, way, way back, you, you, we all remember the Asian tsunami in 2004 on St. Stephen's Day. and one of the abiding things, and I remember talking to Charlie Bird, who was out there, uh, and Charlie was saying that one thing he found and it has stay, it stayed with him for many, many years, was the fear of the people that it was going to happen again. Uh, it was unlikely it was going to happen again but they just couldn't be convinced of that they were terrified of the water and it's very similar here at home um, when you consider that the likes of Ashling and so many other people have lost their livelihoods they've lost their homes, they've lost their houses uh, it, it's it, 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 it's I suppose you, you can understand why that fear is there, that it hasn't gone away. And I know there's a huge amount of anger here, and that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, I, I wouldn't imagine anybody who loses their house would not be angry and would not be in a position to actually subdue that anger. But um, I think, uh, I want to say, in favour of the insurance assessors and the loss adjusters, a lot of people have been saying, "What? why aren't they doing their job? Why aren't they... Coming to our house, they are. Uh, I, in fact, I think most of the most of the houses and the businesses in Middleton have been contacted by the insurance companies, um, and the loss adjusters were working round the clock. There were two individuals who I know who literally got two hours sleep on Friday night, and they were at it again all day Saturday and all day Sunday, and they're still at it on Tuesday, almost a week after the uh, the storm rain. Hit uh, parts of Cork. Um, Helen Conway is uh, is on the line. Hi, Helen.
3: Hi,
11: Garrett.
1: How are you this morning?
11: I'm I'm good. Um, just I'm just back from. Lown Fia Estate in Mogeely. I spoke to some of the people down there. We've been offering some assistance through the Middleton Hub. But I was struck by Ashling's story and as you said, she painted a fantastic... She, I was going to say she painted a fantastic picture, but she painted the picture so well of what people are going through. And um, we at the Middleton Hub... Are, are by our nature a mental health facility offering mental health supports, but we've established a crisis centre for the community where we're, I suppose, dealing with the immediate effects by giving out cleaning supplies. We've been just working around the clock. But we're also, I suppose, uh, I was prompted to contact your show just to say that we're also taking funding to provide for the mental health Uh, issues going forward um we're offering low and free low cost and free counselling in the Middleton hub and we feel that this is going to be have to be a priority in the weeks to come um because of what Ashling said about the fear the anxiety the anger the frustration and just the immense loss that people are feeling at the moment um I met some people in Glouinfia. Their houses are absolutely destroyed. And I do understand that some of them are working with insurance companies, but some are facing the prospect of there being no insurance cover mm-hmm. for the loss that they've suffered. Many young families, um, you know, like with nowhere to go. Uh, some rental properties, um, are no longer, uh, it's no longer possible to fix them with one young family looking for somewhere to live. They've been accessing homeless services because their the property that they were renting is just not possible to repair. Um, so it's it's a horrendous situation and I suppose I'm eager to keep the campaign going mm. because the initial flurry of help and offers of help has started to die down and we still have people living in houses that are not habitable really they're able to sleep upstairs but no heating, no running water in some cases um, so it's, 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 it's a disaster zone really you know and, um, and I suppose it's really important I, I'm delighted that you had Ashling on it's really important that people see the big picture they really get a feeling yeah. for what people are going through
1: I think at this stage, um, I'm right in thinking that those who have had these colossal losses, literally in the space of a few hours where they have lost everything, a, a lot of the residents who are listening this morning... Um, although they're probably far too busy to be listening, they would still be in that shock and disbelief stage, wouldn't they? Absolutely, that, you know.
11: Absolutely, and that's what I I feel that that's what's coming back to us in the in the hope at the moment in the Middleton hope is that. People at the moment are keeping busy. They're they're cleaning, they're arranging services, plumbers, electricians to come out and check their houses. They're keeping very busy. They're busy, busy, busy and and that is distraction distraction really from the enormity of the 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 emotional side of it, you know. Mm. Um it's it, it, it's amazing how few people are coming to us in an emotional way. They're coming very practically, looking. We need this help, that help, which is wonderful. But we are really focused as well on getting in the supports down the line. Um, the Middleton Hub um, has fundraised. To, we had fundraised ourselves to refurbish the downstairs and to provide. Um, a therapy suite and this was to open in January but obviously now we were flooded ourselves so we were lucky that we were able to strip the place out and make it uh, available for the community to receive donations and we've been operating out of um, the hub for the last couple of days all day, like open at 8.30 in the morning and closing at 11pm at night and people coming and going all day. But our long term goal is to provide for the mental health of the community and um, I, I, I'm urging people to go to the Middleton Hub website and um, there's a donation link there and um, the website is ie. and um, we have a wonderful Facebook page as well and all the information is there um, and even if you message us on Facebook Messenger, we'll send you out all the information you need. Um, it's just vital really because it's something that's really going to hit, you know. When the shock leaves people, that all those emotions, all, all the anger, the frustration, the loss, you know, it's just going to be mm-hmm. there, and they're not going to have anywhere to go.
1: I, I I can hear the strain in your voice, Helen. How are you? Uh, like presumably, if you're working from half eight in the morning until nearly midnight, you must be exhausted, are you?
11: I'm. I feel. I'm not. Um I, I, I I'm not actually on site. I'm manning the social media so mm. I've been working in my own job and sitting on my couch at home and uh I'm actually in the process of opening a shop myself. So I I have about three hundred things juggling at the moment, but I'm not no, I, I, I suppose it's just I'm one of those people that it's my nature to try and do what I can and we have a fantastic team in the hub like it's it's incredible i was just speaking to bonnie last night um we're we're all using the skills that we were given you know um i i like the social media side of things so i've been answering messages and emails and trying to keep up the social media side of the information on the page eileen is really our coordinator in the hub alongside bunny who's he's a very practical person. Eileen is the person answering the phones. We have Seamus, we have Pete, we have Mike, who's doing a lot of emailing as well. Um, It's just a wonderful, wonderful team down there, and a fantastic bunch of volunteers. You know, so thankfully, I I don't think there's too much pressure on any one of us at the moment. Um, We're all just very, very happy that we're able to work together Mm -hmm. and get the services to the what basically get to the community what they need
1: you know um and i I think it's important as well to to explain to individuals who've been caught up in this disaster that it it's it it's literally it's very similar to a grieving process it's it's almost like loving someone losing someone that you love losing your house losing your home is it's right up there in the top three most anxiety causing situations that you'll ever confront in life. Um, yes. you know and and I think it, it's wonderful that this is what you're emphasizing now today because I think in the coming days and in the coming weeks, and particularly with the dark days and the run into winter and Christmas, mental health will become very fragile for many people.
11: Oh absolutely. Um like we I suppose most people in Middleton would know the history um of Middleton in terms of we we were born I suppose we came out of the the suicide problem really in Middleton and um uh, our founder lost his son to suicide a few years ago and that's where that's where it came from. So we're always already acutely aware of mental health issues in the community of Middleton and East Cork. And I suppose really this is just people have suffered through COVID. It's had a huge impact on mental health and now we have this. And I think it's not just this flooding currently and the the outcomes from it, but it's the fact that it happened before and some of the people who are experiencing it now have, it, this is their second time mm. and that can have a massive impact on someone's, I suppose, you know, the hopelessness, really. Yeah, you know, it's this fragility, it's,
1: isn't it? So it yes, just life, absolutely. Life is so As, fragile.
11: Yeah, Ashling spoke about it, you know, the mm-hmm. fear, the fear, if I, if I do this, if put all this money back into my house, create this lovely home for myself, is it going to be taken away in 12 months' time? You yes. know? And so, I suppose that's, and, and we all know as well, like the, the stages of, uh, of grief, you know, the, one of the first ones to hit is anger. And I think there'll be an awful lot of anger in this community. And it's, how to use that anger also constructively because there is no one to blame as such. It would be very convenient if we could pin all the blame on somebody mm. or some institution. There's nobody to blame, you know, and mm. it's just how to go forward and use our anger and our energy constructively. Yeah. Um, and I feel that I feel that the Middleton Hub will be an essential part of that, you know, and we're hoping to get HSE funding to ensure that the community has mental health support going forward, because I don't believe there's the same possibility of support with other agencies. There's talks about closing on a completely, you know, so we need need, um, those supports in our community going
1: forward. Helen, it's been wonderful talking to you this morning and so timely as well. So thank you for joining us. And uh, we, we, the, the Middleton Hub is the website, isn't it?
11: The Middleton Hub. Uh, Dot IE. IE. And okay. there's, there is a donation link there. And um, that's all being managed for us. And so you get a receipt for your donation and everything just to make sure that it's all going in the right place.
1: Okay. Take care of yourself, Helen. Thank you. Thanks, Gareth. Thank you. Take care. Helen Conway there, Secretary of the Middleton Hub. It's www.themiddletonhub.com and uh, the, you'll see the, the link for the GoFundMe page there. PJ, away for the week, just resting up after a bit of an accident last week. He's in good form and he's home and uh, he will be back uh, in great form next Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock. It's Garry O'Callaghan here with you this morning. And that number again, 83 Now, as you know, the HSE has put a freeze on recruitment and the recruitment most directly is that of junior doctors and without our junior doctors the backbone of the healthcare system for most people who find themselves in a and e and in in our hospitals well the backbone is gone um as i'm well aware um speak of the backbone uh, very nearly didn't end up with uh, an intact one a few months back i broke my back fractured my neck punctured my lung Uh, all sorts of problems and thankfully uh, as somebody said to me on the train last weekend you must be bulletproof now and I said (laughs) I wouldn't go that far but I'm feeling good thank you and uh, feeling better every day but junior doctors from countries such as Pakistan and South Africa who are the backbone of Irish hospitals say this week that they're very worried for the future and feeling of that they're feeling a massive wave of hopelessness following the HSC recruitment freeze Uh, Just over 3,000 of these junior doctors who are not in any training scheme, they're employed across the country and they're essential to the medical cover in many of our hospitals. Um, International junior doctors not in training have been left with a sense of helplessness. What will happen to their jobs once their contracts end in December? Will there be work for them in January? And if there's no work for them in January, what will patients do? Because for the six weeks that I was in CUH and uh, South Infirmary for a little bit of uh, recovery after the CUH time, Um, I found the junior doctors were your first port of call. They would do the tests in the morning. They would check your bloods. They'd come back to you with, you know, advice as to what they were going to do today and what you needed to have done. And they were all over your case and uh, usually then uh, when it came to sort of crunch time where big decisions had to be made well then the consultants would come in but the junior doctors really were the men and women who um they're playing an, an, an amazing um an incredibly incredibly uh difficult challenge uh, with the hours they work, uh, but also for the work they do. And I just don't think they get enough credit for it. And also then I see this week that uh, more and more of our GPs are suffering from awful bouts of of depression and hopelessness as well. Uh, And, you know, I mean, it's not even the end of October yet. So hopefully things will improve and hopefully the HSE will realise the error of actually the the recruitment freeze, particularly coming into what I think will be probably one of the busiest winters we've ever had, ever. Even busier than COVID winters uh, because I just think people's attitudes to life and things have changed so much. Will people get the booster? Will they get the flu jab? Will they not? Um, And stress and anxiety and intense worrying can have a huge effect on your health, So just be mindful of that. And as I say to friends of mine and family, try and take it a day at a time if that's possible. It's not always easy, but uh, it, it will play favorably on your mind if you can do that. One day at a time, it's all just within the day. Now we were talking earlier on um, to Isabel who's the MTU student president about a protest which is kicking off in, let me see, right now in fact, 11.11 11 at uh, the the MTU campuses around Cork and Margaret's on the line. Good morning to you Margaret. Good morning. Um, you were listening to Isabel there talking about the protest earlier on today weren't you?
3: I was yeah. I'm actually a parent of um, a UCC first year student. Um, And she takes the bus from town out to the UCC campus. She's actually in the Western Gateway building, Mm -hmm. which is out there on the Western Road by the Pink Clinic. And the buses are a disaster. They're the 205, the 205, the 208. Um, Especially on a wet morning, they're worse on a wet morning. They just, they don't turn up. She uses the um, TFI app. So it tells you when the next bus is coming. And it'll say the bus is coming in two minutes. It could say the bus is coming in two minutes for 10 minutes. And eventually the bus may turn up like yesterday morning. It was lashing. Um, the bus came. It was full. She couldn't get on the bus. She walked further out the Western Road to um, the River Lee Hotel. So she'd walked from town all the way out to there, which is not that far. She got to the River Lee Hotel, waited for the bus, said it was coming. wasn't coming. And... Um, Yeah, they just, they're disasters. So if she's going to the Western Gateway, she gets the 208. If she's going up to the main campus, she gets the 205, which I know is the bus that serves MTU. Um, But they're just, they're not reliable. The buses Mm -hmm. aren't reliable. And then, you know, she ends up being late for a lecture. Um, So, yeah.
1: Yeah, talking about apps. I I downloaded the uh, TFI app. I I can't make head or tail of it. It's it's just yeah. it's too it's too complicated. And I mentioned an app that I use now when I'm on the bus, and I do take the bus a lot around Cork. That's Bus Fuss, F U S S. And I recommend she downloads that because it's very very simple. It's very accurate.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, so you know, and I would recommend it. I have to get the 220 now later this afternoon uh, from Grand Parade, and I know I'm literally looking at it now, and it's telling me now. I can literally see it from where I'm sitting, uh, you know, and it's pretty accurate. So that'll be a good start for her. It's a much better yeah, app, in my opinion. Yeah. What what do you think could solve the problem?
3: I think we just, I, I don't know. I think we need more buses. We need, mm. um, you know, I know... Um, On the news there, they said that, um, you know, a dedicated bus for MTU because all the UCC students are getting on the MTU, but, you know, the 205, but UCC have to go to college as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just, like, basic stuff, like out on the Western Road, there's no bus shelters. Like, there's hundreds of students. You know, there's over 20,000 students in UCC. Obviously, not all of them are on the buses, but, like, there's hundreds of students coming out of that building on the Western Road. There's not one bus shelter either side of the road. And then yesterday, um, on the Western Road, where she was getting the bus, um, it's all with that floods. There's a drain there that always floods. So, like, the cars and buses or whatever was going by, the cars were going by, they're splashing everybody waiting, you know, at the bus stop. Mm. Further out under the Glucksman, there's a bus stop there, completely flooded last week. I mean, it's it seems kind of irrelevant talking about a flood at a bus stop when having listened to Ashwing earlier and her horrendous story. So, like... You know, talking about the buses not showing up for my kids doesn't seem very relevant um, now, but um, having listened to Ashling but the well, buses I th- I think are it, a problem. In fairness,
1: it's relevant in, in, the, in their world, yeah. you know, I, and I, yeah. I, I do understand the frustration, and particularly, as you say yourself, um, when the cars drive by and the vans drive by and you end up soaked within a tenth don't of a second. No.
3: And like that drain on the Western Road, it's been blocked for years. I mean, does Cork City Council not realize that this drain particular one by the bus stop on the Western Road, it blocks every year. Every time it rains, it blocks. Mm. So this is not a new... Phenomenon on the Western Road. Yeah. last all
1: the time. I think so. The problem, particularly uh, for Cork City, is that they just can't recruit enough drivers.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah. and like I said earlier to Isabel from MTU Student Union, if, if they've they've plenty of buses, plenty of machinery, but they just don't have the expertise behind yeah. the wheel. You know. Yeah. 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 Like
3: she went out yesterday morning half an hour before, so she went out probably eight twenty-five. Yeah. to get to be in college for nine and she probably got to UCC you know she walked to the western road she probably got there like 9.15
1: so she's missed her
3: first lecture so she would have walked quicker but she would have been soaked but yeah. she still got soaked anyway so you know we just need more buses uh, yeah we need more buses in the city to to get all the kids back and forth to college and bus shelters What's, Especially do now, mind, do
1: you mind me asking? And this is a real, this, this is sort of a real practical parent question, you know, uh, from kind of personal experience down through the years. Why doesn't she leave the house maybe half an hour, even forty-five minutes earlier?
3: Well, she did yesterday morning. She left at eight twenty-five to get to college for nine. Right. Like from the city centre, we live in town, so she did leave twenty thirty-five minutes before. But that and would she,
1: strike me as being peak rush hour. So all of the buses will be jammed at that stage. Yeah,
3: yeah. So uh, so maybe she should leave at 8 to get there for 9. I'd so, leave
1: at quarter to 8. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or like
3: I, I told her this morning, yeah. you just need to get your rain gear on. Yeah. Get I, on your bike.
1: Yeah, and I know she's probably at that age where she loves her bed, you know, and, and yeah. an extra 10 minutes is great. But like I left our house now at half 6 this morning, yeah. um, and had the first bus... Uh, the first bus there was just me and the driver on it, Joe.
3: Oh, there the you go. Me, she needs to leave at half six. Then,
1: <laughs> well, that's a bit extreme. But, but yeah, I will tell yeah. you,
3: I will tell you. Like she has cycles to UCC and the bus lane um, to UCC. The cycle lane is also the bus lane. Oh no! And that. she mm. says she said when she's cycling, the bus is on her tail, yeah. like they're on her tail. You know, so there's she says you're actually cycling as fast as you can to try and get out of their way.
1: Oh yeah. No, that's not an option. <laughs> not from my point of view anyway. Margaret, nice to talk to you. Hopefully we'll we'll be able to talk to somebody about maybe getting a few extra buses on different routes.
3: Thanks, Listen. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you very much. Thank
3: okay, you. take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank
1: you. One thing I've never done, um I think I'd I'd rather I'd rather ride a motorbike than ride a bicycle, particularly during rush hour and busy city centre traffic. I mean, you know, evil can evil jump to the grand cont Grand Canyon, and okay, I mean, he wasn't exactly too successful at it on one or two occasions, but uh, I sometimes think that riding a bicycle in a bus lane with the 220 behind you, you know, you're right up there with Evil Knievel, there's no doubt about that. Lots and lots of telephone calls, uh, just reaching out to thank Ashling, who was talking to us from Glenmire, by the way, uh, uh, about the devastation that has been caused to her house and to her neighbours and friends' houses in the estate there. Uh, Garen, Ashling spoke so well about her trouble with flooding, but I would like to compliment you for letting her tell the story without interruption. Uh, wish more interviewers were like you. So refreshing. Thanks, John. I sometimes think, uh, down through the years, that if somebody has a story to tell, and it's a heartbreaking story, that questions just. You know, interjected at the wrong time, they can throw the tread off the whole storyline and I think Ashling told the story so passionately, so powerfully and so upsettingly. Uh, it was a shocking story to listen to and as I said, you know, a lot of people struggling to find words about what happened to them last week. Everyone has a different story based on different aspects of the, the, the incident itself. But um, I, I think she would have created that sense of resilience for so many people who just couldn't find the words to describe those those issues and those, um, those details. But thank you again, Aisling. Um, Catherine says, Gareth, what an amazing person and storyteller Ashling is. Unbelievable. She's incredible. Uh, we agree with you. She paints the picture so, so well. Maybe now people outside of the affected areas will realise the effect these horrific floods have had on people's lives. The water rose so, so fast that people didn't have a chance. In some cases, it was save your life or your house, literally. Yeah, never thought of that. So, so true. Ashling has me crying here, so sad. That's uh, Catherine. Thank you for that, Catherine. And yeah, I, I actually got really upset myself during the interview with her because, um, you know, we all we all treasure our house. Our our house is our little fort when we close the door in the evening and everyone's there, whether we're having dinner or maybe watching Netflix or Strictly Come Dancing or the rugby or whatever it might be. That's home and that's, you you know, it's it's like this is our place. This is our time. And for so many people now, as a result of the flooding last week, that's gone. It's gone. Uh, And when it reaches a point where the outside of the house is a safer place to be than inside the house. Well, then it's no longer a home, is it? It's really shocking. Um, the landmark Floods uh, caller says, What plans have the council for the whole winter? This is only the start of it. Have they learned something? Well, I can answer that. I think you've answered the, your own question by asking it. Uh, the council hadn't a clue this was coming last week. And, you know, short of admitting it, I think they've already said quietly that they would no idea it was going to get this bad. So if they would no idea that it was going to get this bad, no crystal ball that anyone in the council or in the city hall might have in their desks will ever tell them when something like this is going to strike again. Um, and I think, talking about artificial intelligence, I was having a conversation during the week, one of the great things that artificial intelligence holds for the future is that it will be able to predict weather forecasts and weather uh w- w- you know c- climate changes and weather patterns and i sometimes think that the intelligence behind ai based on all of the algorithms and the systems that they're using is very complicated but at the end of the day i think weather forecasting will be right up there as a huge improvement, uh, based not so much on the errors people are making. I think people just don't see this happening. You know, this sudden huge weather pressure change that happens literally in the space of an hour. Um, somebody just called to say people should be mindful that the ground around roots of the trees are sudden and they could very easily fall over. Wow. Well, okay. There's a conversation in that for sure, and. Um, somebody calling Eddie says uh, wouldn't you feel sorry for the poor students the same students who upended full bins last night in Finbars Road maybe residents should protest about students I came across it at around 9.45pm and an hour later another bunch of them all started kicking them about again now that's Eddie if you want to give us a call if you have a comment to make if you'd like to get uh, in touch with us it's 083 396 96 96 now Isabel from the MTU Students Union was on earlier on talking to us just after we've started the show this morning at nine o'clock and as i speak um there's a, a, a huge protest all of the students walked out of their lectures and classrooms at 11 11 okay so that's about 15 minutes ago uh mick barry socialist party and solidarity td for cork north central morning to you mick hi gareth um mick you're 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 gonna raise this on the doyle plinth in about half an hour's time aren't you It'll be more like 20 minutes, Gareth, yeah. Oh God, right. Do it as fast as you can. Can you can you tell us what the weather
12: holds? <laughs> oh, I can't. God. No, unfortunately. Um, but, but, but maybe there's a uh, more of a link than we might think between your story about the weather and your story about the student protests. Right. Mm. So Greece and Spain get hit by the heat waves, and Canada has the fires and um, in Ireland the main challenge that we have is going to be linked to the question of heavy rainfall and flooding okay mm. and in order to do that uh, we need to improve public transport and uh, I think although the headline behind the MTU, Student union uh, protest today is uh, the demand for a car park, which I think is completely understandable. Yeah. Um. The pro the walkout at eleven minutes past eleven is quite likely the largest protest in the history of this state in support of better public transport. Students are saying we cannot get to the college in time in the morning. With the buses that are laid on there at the moment, we need improved public transport. Um, And we have Green Party ministers in the government, Eamon Ryan and co, sitting around the cabinet table. They will argue that they are delivering improved public transport. Well, if they are, it's at a snail's pace and it is nowhere near what the young people need and what the society need and what the students are demanding today. Mm. And it's a small example of something that could be done and should be done that will have an impact in terms of the climate change challenge that we face. So I think for that reason, uh, as well as many more, uh, it's hats off to the students today and congratulations to them on taking this action.
1: You're like you're in contact with the grassroots here, Mick. Like in terms of improving public transport here in Cork City and County, how do you see that shaping up? What does the future hold if you were to put down an agenda for improvements?
12: Well, you know, as I said to you, there we've got fifteen minutes here. Okay, yeah. But one idea that I will raise, and it's a point for Cork, but it's a point for the entire country, right? And that is free public transport all right it was done as an experiment this summer in germany and it was done as an experiment uh, in the autumn in spain and what was found was that it was very popular um, from a cost of living point of view and it was very popular from uh, a defend the climate uh, point of view in germany in fact even though it only lasted for three months there was 1.8 million tons of carbon emissions that otherwise would have gone into the atmosphere, that didn't, right? Mm. And I think we should have, throughout the whole of Europe now, free public transport. But Ireland should be leading in that regard. And despite the fact that we've got Green Party ministers in the government, the steps forward that are being taken on that front are baby steps When clearly, when we saw what happened last week with the climate affecting this country and the flooding, we need to be taking giant steps. The public are ready and open for giant steps. I think the student action today is just another indication of it. Um, So the people who are meant to be acting on this need to listen. Well, would free
1: public transport make not collapse the whole public transport system?
12: Um, It it would, unless you did one thing. Uh, I mean, obviously, it would greatly increase the demand for public transport. uh, And the problem you have of people not being able to get on buses would be made worse, unless you were to uh, invest in a serious fashion in a major increase in the number of uh, buses and trains uh, that are available to people uh, within the uh, society. Now, we heard recently that um, the state could accumulate a surplus of 65 billion euro over the next four years some people say that that is over optimistic and it could be a lower figure it might be closer to 45 billion Uh, even if you were to take the less optimistic figure There's a real opportunity there to say, okay, public services, the likes of which we've never seen or enjoyed in this country, could be put in place with a bit of vision and a bit of strategy in terms of, for example, free public childcare and free public transport. But... The government seems to be passing on the option of doing that. The Greens and government don't seem to be speaking up in relation to that. And therefore, it's up to the ordinary people like the students in MTU today to raise their voice on these issues.
1: Would it not be more effective in a, in a shorter space of time, Mick, to... Uh, to offer free public transport outside of rush hour. So, in other words, from 7.30 to 9, you're charged for taking the bus, but from 9 onwards until, say, 4 in the afternoon, it's free.
12: Well, no no one would argue uh, if a free public transport scheme uh, was to be phased in. Uh, And so, in other words, instead of doing it in all one go... Uh, you would phase it in over a period of six months or 12 months or even 18 months in order to be able to get the buses in place, get the drivers in place and so on. The problem is that when you have talk of it being phased in and in reality what's being spoken of is a period of 5, 10 or 15 years. As we saw last week with the flooding and what the climate is threatening, we haven't got 5, 10 or 15 years Mm. to sort these issues out. We need to move with urgency and we need to move now.
1: Right. I know know you've got a deadline literally minutes away. Before you go, Mick, um, a lot of people saying here this morning that the the council just doesn't seem to be able to do anything in terms of what might happen next in terms of another storm. And we're looking at another storm in two, two and a half weeks' time. We're looking at more bad weather, very bad weather, with a high tide here in Cork on the 1st of November. What do you think can be done to, to help people...
12: Well, I'll give you one simple thing that can be done straight away.
3: Mm-hmm.
12: Uh, you've got a you've got a drains department in Cork City Council with a staff of dedicated workers who've been asking, been pleading for years, right? Not just for more vehicles and more staff, but for basic tools and equipment like um, angle grinders, so as they can open the drains, yeah. right? The, the the water is coming up from below; uh, it's coming through the drainage system. There's a very simple measure that could and should be taken immediately.
1: Right. And uh, would you, would I'm just thinking, greater numbers working in that division of the council, would that all, that would also help, obviously, wouldn't it?
12: Yes. The workers on the ground have, have pinpointed three things number one, vehicles, number two, staff, and number three, tools. Not necessarily in that order. They're the experts, they're the people who, you know, get the praise when the rain comes down and uh, they're, they're, out there fighting the floods and doing the best to to, to sort the situation. They need to be listened to. Rely on their expertise and knowledge.
1: Okay, Mick, good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us this morning and good luck now at uh, 10 to 12 down the dial. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mick. That's Mick Barry there, Socialist Party and Solidarity TD for Cork North Central. He's uh, on the plinth there on our behalves, uh at 10 to 12 today. Um, now, um, just before we, we move on, um, somebody just said to me there, uh, Paul just said in a text, what date did you say next week? Now, I'm not looking into a crystal ball here, Paul, or the tea leaves. It's the 1st of November, which is next Wednesday. Well, tomorrow week. Uh, and I've been checking out a couple of the weather apps and I've been checking out uh, particularly a couple of the international Weather apps—I've kind of this is kind of a thing I've got very interested in in recent times—and they're saying that here in Cork there's a very high tide, a high tide, should I say, twelve thirty, twelve forty-five in the afternoon. But also on Wednesday uh, we have very, very heavy rain. So you're looking at four millimeters per hour. Now that may all change. And some of you might be thinking, why are you you know why are you winding us up with this? I'm not. It's just handy to have on the back of your head. I just think you know forewarned is forearmed. So whether it happens or not, at least you know that there's a possibility, uh, and I think that's very, very important. Tomorrow week, 1st of November, and hopefully nothing is going to happen uh, on that one. Now, Lars Edmund runs the very popular Toy Soldier Factory in McCroom, and they've recently had something go missing, and Lars needs our help to find it. Morning to you, Lars. Good morning, Garrett. um Now, I know the Toy Fa- Soldier Factory is so popular, but what's gone missing?
8: Uh it's a road sign at the Cool Cover roundabout. Uh, we uh, we used to have signage on the M22, uh, uh, but uh, with the new bypass, uh, 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 we're not allowed to have any signage on on the bypass. So, uh, uh, we, as an emergency, we put up this sign at the Cold Cove roundabout for to help people find us. Mm. Uh. Yeah, I'm
1: looking. I'm looking at the big sign. It's the sign from Acroam, and it shows all the sort of various services. and yeah. it's, it's pointing to the left, and directly underneath the official road sign is the Toy Factory, which obviously uh, you take a, a turn. at What is it? I think it's probably the second turn of the, the roundabout. Is that the sign that's gone missing?
8: Yes, the sign
1: has gone missing, yeah. Just taken out of the rest of the, 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 the plinth, as it were, yeah? yeah?
8: That's correct, yeah. Wow.
1: That's unusual. And do you think it was just somebody who wanted to stick it up somewhere in a bedroom, or do you think it uh, I, I I mean, I treat
8: it as stolen as long as yeah. it is missing,
1: uh, put it that way. Uh, <laughs> okay, right, well, we'll keep an eye out for it. Um, it's something that uh, it'll be hard to miss if somebody comes across it because it's a fairly big sign isn't it,
8: it it's uh, nearly two metres uh, wide I think and about a metre high mm. so uh, 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 I, I don't think any any pub collector will put up and put it up on the wall somewhere <laughs>
1: yeah uh, just while I have you on are are people boys and girls still as obsessed with soldiers as they always were I remember I had a huge obsession with um Napoleon and uh, all of his many armies, actually, when I was a young kid.
8: It has drifted more against, uh, against general character, uh, fairies, uh, 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 fantasy figures, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, etc. Uh, we're very much influenced with media today, particularly television. Right uh, uh, and uh, uh, I say, toy soldiers aren't uh, every boy's dream any longer.
1: Mm. And I, I take it this is a very busy time of the year for you, is it?
8: Halloween is a busy time, but but uh, 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 outside that, uh, we're only. Busy on on Saturdays and during the week we get the odd tourist uh, calling in to us and and uh, uh, that's the that's where the signage come come in. Uh, 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 If if you don't have signage, it's very difficult to get tourists tourists coming in. Yeah.
1: We'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for it anyway, Lars. Nice to talk to you. Yeah,
8: thank you very much for your help. Thank you
1: very much. Lars Mag Edmund, there. Edmund, I beg your pardon, founder of McCroom Toy Soldiers. Anyone coming across that sign, um, I'm not quite sure. How, like it, it, It's part of a much bigger sign, and how it was actually taken off the bigger sign is just beyond me, but somebody out there has it. Uh, for whatever reason only they know but get in touch with us if you see it discarded or thrown away somewhere Cork's 96 FM turns up the feel good this Friday with our 5 for the weekend mixes so listen in after the news at 1, 3, 5 and 9pm for 5 absolute belters all mixed together to get you ready for the big bank holiday in Cork so that's 5 for the weekend mixes playing this Friday from 1pm on Cork's 96FM now I don't know whether you're one of these individuals who enjoys going into a pub with a newspaper at quiet time of the day and you just pick a corner that you sort of like I just that's where I want to go and I just want to be left there on my own to my own devices just dream about life and read the newspaper and enjoy a couple of pints and then somebody at the bar says uh, I hear there's snow on the way
8: (laughs) and you look up thinking
1: who's that yeah I know now maybe you might engage maybe you might think oh no Oh, another pub bore. Well, we all dread sitting next to the pub bore. And journalist Kirsty Blake Knox from the Irish Independent says there are at least six types of bores. Um, hi there, Kirsty.
13: Hi. How's it going?
1: Things are good. Things are good. That's something I love doing. The odd afternoon, you know, you you pick a quiet pub. You know, it's not going to be busy. You bring the newspaper with you, and you just yes. you, you kind of want to disappear for an hour, don't you?
13: Yeah, yeah, you want some kind of time to disconnect from the world and just kind of uh, like you say, um, spend some time on your own and then lo and behold, someone kind of sidles up next to you and starts uh, chatting away um, and I think everyone's been in that position I know uh, someone I was talking to said the difference between uh, an interesting conversationalist and a pub bore is roughly three points, but we've all been in that situation where someone <laughs> has, has started kind of boring the ear off you and um, and i like many people i, I used to work in a, in a bar and it's, it's kind of interesting how there are kind of like stock characters who who always seem to kind of crop up um again and again um and uh kind of coming into the party season i think it's good to be aware of what uh, type of pub to pub bores slash nightmares there are out there and how to avoid becoming one <laughs> when, yeah. you, when you're out it's the, the, um, the
1: sort of individual that you tend not to sometimes want to engage with is the, cellar, the 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 guy usually who says to you you're not from around here are you
13: Yeah yeah, yeah I know <laughs> So you, you <laughs> yeah Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, No, I could. That, that's exactly it. Someone who kind of launches into kind of a very long, shaggy dog story or someone who it's, it's not even, I think what kind of is the most annoying thing is when it's not even a conversation, it's almost like sometimes people treat you like a sounding board and they just talk at you <laughs> rather than converse with you. So um, I kind of think in those situations, if someone comes up to me and they start talking, I actually just... I think you can tell within about 30 seconds if this person is going to pick up on the vibe you're sending out that you don't want to talk and if they're not I actually just move (laughs) It's doing that
1: (laughs) look into my eyes they can't see you (laughs)
13: Yeah. (laughs) yeah you know because once someone starts that it can be really difficult to extricate yourself politely and the type of person sometimes who wants to kind of talk endlessly they're not inclined to pick up on kind of the social cues you might be going so I do find it better just to kind of say I've just got to go to the bathroom or take a phone call up sticks and move to an entirely different mm-hmm. part of the pub where you're out of their, their um, eye line you know because uh, because like you said time is precious and you don't want to kind of get stuck with someone like that uh, when, when you're trying to kind of rewind, uh, unwind or, or get some time on your own um, but there are kind of other types of people as well like um, you know there's uh, if, if it's a bit more crowded you'll often get like a kind of space invader type of person who comes really close to your face while they're oh, yeah, talking yeah. and you um, to kind of shouts at you and uh, and I was in a pub recently and there was um, a woman who had like a, a really high ponytail and she was like flicking it back and forth and kind of in your face and your your drinks and stuff like that. I think sometimes people just need a little bit of self-awareness and uh, and taking like two or three steps back if you're talking to someone or near to someone is always advisable because it's it's really oppressive when someone's in on top of you like that when when you're just trying to um, mind your own business you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Tell me about uh, Prosecco. Now, there's, it's kind of a turn in the side yeah. because you, you've seen it from both sides, from serving it and from yeah. imbibing.
13: Yes, exactly. So, um, it's it's become a really big thing. Like you'll have heard of bottomless brunches; they're really, really popular. Um, that you kind of go along, you pay a cover charge, and people can kind of order some food and have lots of kind of unlimited prosecco. And they're really popular in like the US and the UK, and they're uh, happen over in Ireland as well. But um, they become really, really raucous. And in the US, they've actually brought in like a vomit charge (laughs) or a vomit fee because people are getting and So annihilated, drunk at them, and in the UK there was uh, interviews with people who've done that kind of shift, and it uh, it kind of sounds like pretty wild uh, West Territory people kind of kind of lose the run of themselves. Um, all together and I also get it because you know sometimes if you're a big group of friends and you haven't met up for a while the expectation is so high and the emotion is so high and they've you have kind of almost sometimes a nervous energy that means you kind of appear to be or maybe get more drunk than you would kind of intended so I think that those big groups I always know when I, whenever I was working in a bar of kind of like women kind of with a couple of bottles of Sauvignon or a couple of bottles of Prosecco kind of get a little hairy, you know? yeah. <laughs> so uh, they're kind of another uh, kind of maybe just temper it a bit, uh, you know, because they're, they're they, c- they can get a little fraught,
1: yeah. And it goes like obviously, it goes straight straight to the head pretty quickly. I love that line from the London Times Nothing brings out the worst in human nature, like unlimited <laughs> Prosecco.
13: Yes, exactly. And I I think a lot of people both who have worked as waiters and have seen that side of it, and I'd say a lot of people who've woken up the next day with a sore head would also agree with that statement, you know. Oh, God, (laughs) yeah.
1: Then there's the the, the classic, and it it never changes from generation to generation, the absent-minded pal.
13: Yeah, so we've all known this kind of like, and you'll be sitting around, and people will have empties uh, in front of them, and they'll be chatting away, and they'll still have a half drunk pint. I think you know, the minutes people start saying, oh whose round is, it? is that then you, chances are it's your round and you need to get up and get people uh, a drink um, because it is a little inconsiderate if everyone's sitting around staring at an empty glass uh, not, not to get up and also if you are doing rounds make sure that it's on a, a, a kind of comparative price point like don't be ordering like a ridiculously expensive cocktail if everyone else is getting just regular pints of beer um, just kind of that's just, just bad manners but uh, but I think that's that's important
1: as well you know oh that's yeah someone who goes up and says i'll have um i'll actually have a double vodka um
13: yeah yeah exactly yeah
1: when 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 it's their (laughs) rounds, they're only buying singles
13: Yes, exactly. <laughs> no. So uh, so it's a bit of, there. You can like, people can be kind of chancers in, in that way. So you've got to um, keep an eye out for that. Um, and then also, I think if you're in a bar at night and it's crowded, you sometimes get people going up and they're asking for very um, kind of, like cocktails are really popular, but like stuff like mojitos, where you've got to muddle like the lime and the mint and the sugar together, they're really time consuming. So I think if it is like three or four people deep at a bar, just keep it simple. Then isn't the time to kind of go in with like a really complicated drinks order of like you know, a, a smorgasbord of shots and and like various kind of like Harvey Wallbanger mojito, all those cocktails because it mm. really slows things down for everyone else uh, around you.
1: You just have me craving for a mojito now. Is that unusual at five to <laughs> twelve in the day? No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I just say
1: it's it's part of the it's part of the board, the business you know um and what yeah. about the the wannabe comedian this is brilliant I love this <laughs>
13: Yeah, so you'll always find there's someone who kind of really fancies themselves as being a stand up. And I think a lot of people mistake, there's a difference between being funny for your friends and then an actual professional, but you'll, you'll get this kind of people coming up telling you jokes and stuff. The one thing I'd say is, you can kind of distance yourself from people without being rude. I think sometimes, you know, it can it can really hurt someone's feelings if you're kind of very kind of uh, abrupt uh, with them. But at the same same time you don't want to have to stand there listening to someone practice their fantasy kind of you know what do they call it Your t- their tight five <laughs> routine um, yeah. with the- so, so just make sure I think you've got kind of a window of opportunity if someone makes a joke and you're like this is not funny you've either got to kind of close down the conversation uh, politely and kind of say oh yeah that's great anyway and just kind of focus yeah. in on your friends or something because you don't want to get stuck with someone like that for the, the entire night. God no.
1: Kirsty great to chat to you. Thanks for joining us
13: great to chat to you. Thanks okay, so much. Bye.
1: That's Kirsty Blake-Knox there. A quick guide on how to avoid being a pub bore on a night out. Now, Stephen Fox has been out and about speaking to protesting students at MTU. It kicked off at 11 this morning, who are protesting about conditions at the college. I'm Oisín. I'm the Vice President for Education here in MTU Cork Students' Union. Uh, it was something I was thinking of, especially uh, last night. Um, I think that definitely in terms of transport solutions, I think that there needs to be a dedicated bus from the Cork, from Cork City or from the train station that serves just MTU. Because I think that a main issue with that particular bus being the 205 is that it serves UCC and MTU. Mm -hmm. So students getting on the train, are getting the train to Cork City, getting out of Kent and then have to get on the bus. They're getting on the same buses as UCC students. Obviously, UCC have a large number of students as well and a lot of them would also commute. Yourselves, do you you drive in or do you get buses or how do you get in, how do you do it? I walk an hour.
2: I live up in the north side but I walk because the buses are so like infrequent and they're always full and I don't drive so just walking is the only option
5: and how long would it, if you were to get the bus how long would it take you to get one
2: oh, it, would, it would take like an hour and a half like a long time a few weeks ago sorry I was I was down for the eight o'clock bus four buses drove past me so I just had to walk to college and I missed the first class. I drive into college, yeah. Okay.
7: And how are you with parking? How, well, like, you, you, how When do you have to leave to get parking?
2: Oh, I have to leave at around 7am just to come in here and get a space. So I have to be here at around like 20 past 8 to get a space.
1: And where are you coming from?
2: Uh, from I. I get the train and I get a bus, so because of the whole situation with accommodation. I...
1: That's Stephen Fox there out and about speaking to protesting students there at MTU this morning. We'll bring you more on that tomorrow morning. Today's show was edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thanks to Wayne in the desk as always. And we're back tomorrow from nine.